2008. It was a great year for Division III college football. It was my second year on the Stag Bowl sidelines. Uh, Whitewater uh, in Mount Union for the 82nd time it felt like at that point. Uh, it was uh, it, when I was in Miami, actually. I was uh, kind of commuting back and forth to cover Union games back then. And some guy named Eric Wren decided to hit me up one day while I was uh, doing my internship, I remember, in Miami. And uh, he said, hey, this podcasting thing, what do, you, what do you think about this podcasting thing, Frank? And uh, Eric, uh, you take it from there. Well, <laughs> talk about a warm handoff. <laughs> I think we started with a non-sports-related theme, didn't we? Then we try our hand at a little bit of a free-form, uh, I don't know, a little bit of politics, a little bit of current events. Well, we, we, we did that on the uh, message boards, that's for sure. And that, that was uh, promptly censored and censored oh, and everything else. Yeah, so then we decided, hey... There's this need for Liberty League football uh, coverage. You know, Ron well, Nation, there's a need for the public, Frank, to have broader access to your stylings, and that was really what it was about. I mean, <laughs> I was trying to bring Frank Rossi to the masses, sort of like you know you did with your political career. I was oh god, thinking, I was thinking about this you know a long time ago. The world needs Indeed. more Frank Rossi. No, it doesn't. And, uh, <laughs> This was really, you know, really about that. No, I'm just kidding. No, you're right. It, it, it was a, it was a chance to showcase, you know, a, a great product, a, a great culture, small college football. We were inspired by uh, the the media footprint of, of Division Three Football dot com and our friends over there, Pat Coleman and team, and we wanted to put a little more spotlight on upstate New York. And uh, you know, at the time, there was some great rivalries going on. Um, Back in the day when it was uh, a lot of uh, RPI, Union, and Hobart, the three-headed <laughs> monster. Um, and, oh, yeah. you know, since then we've seen not the, you know, other teams absolutely, you know, make some noise in, in upstate. St. Lawrence became a bit of a force for several years. And uh, it was just, uh, I mean, look at you two guys. This is like a married couple. It's uh, Fred and Ethel Mertz over we, there. We, we've had a long uh, relationship. It's probably been one of my longest ever, <laughs> well, actually. Well, obviously, I knew my time was, was short when you started going video, and, and I said, okay, I, I have a face for radio, so I kind of wanted to leave it to the handsome guys. Um, well, well yeah, hold on. We've I mean, we, we, we got to fast forward here a little bit because you, you took a hiatus. You do a couple cameos on our show so often, and then this week you hit me up and you told me, I'm back, baby. I'm back. I am going to be in the booth with Chris Engel on the St. Lawrence feed of the RPI game, and I am going to just—I'm back for good, Rossi. You're adding That's a bit of—you're uh, adding a bit of emotion to it that I'm not sure I had, but I like your enthusiasm. But yes, absolutely. I—I uh, I was invited by Chris to join him in the booth, and I said, "Sure, why not?" And uh, instantly, my uh, first reaction was to call you. My broadcasting, you know, swami mentor, and let you know that uh, you know I'm kind of making my way back into the dark side of, of uh, broadcasting that you so eloquently held down the fort for all these years, and along with James there. You know, a lot of people over the years have asked me, "What the hell were you thinking, Rossi, putting these two guys on the air with you?" And uh, you know, my my response is generally, "Hey." 
if I can make these guys shine, anybody can do this job. And we, we've proven it. And if you hear some of the Division three broadcasts across the country, you know we've proven it because <laughs> some of them were... Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about a little bit about that later on in the show. But, no, seriously, Eric, it always takes good comedy stylings, I think, to make some shows popular. Uh, JB... Uh, he's always been the guy who's a guy with the numbers, but he's always put me in my place on the show and people love it I, across the country. And that's why they're always asking, where's JB? But people do ask still, where's Eric Wren? How's he doing? And, you know, what's he up to? So for the final uh, statement here, because uh, I won't get to listen to the game much tomorrow, uh, what, what are you up to? How's life? Life is good. I am a, uh, for the last year, been working on building kind of a hobby farm. My wife and I, and uh, put up a horse barn and uh, kind of working with farm equipment. I'm, I'm pretending I'm a farmer, gentleman <laughs> farmer we call it, but I, I don't know if gentleman's the right term. Gentleman farmer, as you see. Exactly. James, you're doing voices now, too. I like it. Uh, hobby farmer is a better, better term. I'm learning a lot along the way, enjoying my family time, hanging with the kids, hanging with the wife, and uh, following you guys from afar not too far though i mean it's the beauty of social media is that i can when i'm yeah. sick of all the bad news on every day i basically turn over to you guys to to uh get a good good feeling about what's going on in the world that isn't you know politics or current events related but uh yeah just hey, eric i got a i got a i got a question for you i got a question for you eric i mean you know you were an all-american offensive tackle for rpi back in the day you know you've been a fan of d3 football for you know as long as we have been you know we're, we're not exactly spring chickens anymore to use the the, the farming metaphor but what, what what have been your thoughts about this 22 season there have been some matchups some games that i mean some people are saying this might be the best D3 season ever? Have you been keeping up with everything that's been going on? What, what, what's been your reaction as sort of a, you know, everyday fan kind of popping in here and out to see what's going on? I just think that we continue to see the, the growth of competition, the expansion of, of kids um, putting a lot of energy into their preparation and, and, seeing more and more talent develop and not just stay at the traditional kind of schools that are the powers across the country. It's, it's, you know, it's happened at all levels, division one, a little bit more parity happening. Um, you're seeing an expanded playoff field division three in my lifetime, you know, started as an 18 playoff and made its way up to the current format. I just think you're seeing an opportunity where more and more kids are, are, getting exposure, getting uh, expanded preparation and training throughout the year. Uh, it's just, it just seems to be a, a cultural shift to where there's more, uh, I would say, I don't want to say talent. There's always been talent there, but I just think that kids are, are bigger, stronger, faster. There's more choices for them. There's better, there's better uh, media exposure. It's just, it's just an all around, um, I think kind of a, part of our society that's shifting that's kind of carrying over yeah. and spilling over into d3 sports 
Well, listen, uh, one of the person that's probably listening to this, uh, he's in the wings. I see him already. A.J. Wingfield from Ithaca will be joining us on this show. Uh, he's probably like 18 playoff. How the hell did they do that back then? Uh, we, we don't. We got 32. We need 40 at this point the way we're going. But, yeah, there's a lot of history uh, on this uh, call right now. Uh, and the three-headed monster. Well, RPI. I just want to make one comment. I want oh, to make go ahead. One comment. The, the 18 playoff, I mean, I, I, I talk about that still with guys from my era. It's, I mean, you had to be perfect, right, to, 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 to make it. There was no conference qualifiers coming from RPI. You know, for us back in the day, the road to the playoffs in the East always went through either Buff State Union, Cortland, or Ithaca at the time. You know, this is the, the, the late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, if you weren't undefeated right out of the gate, forget about it. You know, you had no shot. And... It was just a totally different era. I mean, it, you know, it, it's so fantastic now that you have these conferences with automatic qualifiers and a lot of intrigue happens throughout the season where if you maybe have a stumble early out of the gate, it doesn't mean your season's over. So it's just, uh, I think it's a great thing. And then to your point, you know, why is this one of the best seasons? Well, another reason. I think having all these playoff spots gives kids more choices on – when they're thinking about pursuing student athletics at the Division three level for football, hey, you know, you're not just looking at one school because you think you've got a shot to make the playoffs every year with them. So I, just, I, I think a lot of good balance is going on. Well, Eric, send us to uh, open here for uh, Season 15. Uh, the honor is all yours, and we appreciate you joining us, sir. Well, Mr. Mayor, your honor, your honorable, James, I would like to have you make sure that you know, because if I was still doing the show, it would be introduced as the Honorable Frank Rossi. Uh, so let's just okay. let's just make yeah. sure we make sure we <laughs> do plenty of that. So Your Eminence, very very nice to join, and James, always a pleasure. You're looking good there, buddy. Uh, Thank you, sir. Guys, you're you're doing a great job. I think everyone who hears the show and watches it and sees what you're doing, whether live or you know following along, is. It's a great thing, great for seeing you keep it going and continuing to develop the platform and really high tech here with all the screen, you know, logos and whatnot. It's I'm I'm out of my element. I feel like it, for me to navigate this, I almost have to call my teenage kids in to teach me how to like, you know, tweet talk or whatever they do nowadays. So okay, tweet talk. What the hell is that? <laughs> That's Folks. what I call it. Here, here we go, folks. I'm, I'm going to do it for you, Eric, because this this reminds me of the oh, old boy. days. I'm going to cut you short and say, folks, welcome to Season 15, the live show of In the Huddle. Hold you know, on. Before we get started. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. You know, I was recording you during that, uh, JB, and uh, the fact is I want to show everybody what you do during our theme song. <laughs> I, I, you know, I get into it. What can I say? You know, it's funny, Frank. Actually, you know, the uh, remember the Springfield interview with the, whatever those, the hand things that those guys had? 
Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> just, it's, I mean, the the, part, the best part of this of doing this for 15 seasons is all the crazy like memories that we've made and all the different <laughs> random interviews. Oh my gosh! I'm still seeing it on my screen. I'm sorry. It's just it's it's awesome. Uh, listen, we've yeah. got a guest in the wings. Uh, some of the stuff we need to talk about uh, is on this slide. I'm going to let you start here on regions one and two as I uh, cry myself over here to uh, the next uh, phase of the show. Yeah, well, we we got a lot of uh, we've got a lot of interesting clinching championship types of situations going on this Saturday. Endicott can clinch the CCC. Ithaca can win the Liberty League if they beat Union. Stevenson is putting itself in position to either kind of stay on the list for the regional rankings, maybe uh, host a, a Mac Centennial Bowl game in, in the uh, postseason. Gallaudet can clinch the ECFC automatic qualifier with a win. Susquehanna can clinch the Centennial Conference Championship with a win. Now, the big question is, can Case Western get past the Titans and set up a, a winner-take-all championship game between them and undefeated Carnegie Mellon in the pack, or will Westminster play spoiler and knock the Spartans out and effectively give the title to the Tartans this weekend? We'll have to wait and see. Grove City versus Washington and Jefferson is, is kind of like an ECAC bowl. Not necessarily elimination game, but the winner of this game will have a, a better chance of hosting one of those bowl games. We'll have to wait and see. You know, can Utica stay in the Pool C bubble? They'll, they'll need to get back past an Alfred team that's been pretty tough. They gave you know, Cortland a good run for their money. Morrisville versus Brockport, another sort of EC, AC bowl game. You know, can, I, can we host or are we going to go on the road type of situation? You know, can Morrisville just simply rebound after that really you know, tough loss slash bad call that they had last Saturday? So, yeah, these are all the different scenarios. Um, Endicott wins if they... Uh, get one out of two games so they can you know they can win uh this weekend or if something really crazy happens Husson can get the AQ with with two Endicott losses and then they win twice no pool C real opportunities there Gallaudet wins if they if they get the the win this weekend um yeah I don't even want to think about what happens if if for some reason the Bison lose so Gallaudet take care of business and then in the MAC DelVal will win this weekend, uh, it, well, I think actually Del Val's on a. Are they on a late bye, Frank? I feel like they've they played eight games in a row, and and they they have a, a bye coming up, or they just had their bye weekend. I'll check so on that. Basically, they need to win one more game, and then and then they've locked in their millionth MAC title in a row. Kings is still lurking around the the Pool C bubble. They can go nine and one. It could shake some things up. We'll have to wait and see. Um, Mascac. It's going to come down to week 11. I mean, it's possible that if Plymouth State gets tripped up by Mass Maritime this weekend, that UMD will win the, the, the title there. And then in the new Mac, once again, kind of week 11, Springfield Catholic is really you know, the game to watch. But I'm, I hate to say it to all those fans out there in, in Wisconsin that really the national playoffs run through the state of, of New York and actually upstate New York because the next two Ithaca games are going to define the whole playoff picture in my opinion it you know there, there's really you can't you can't just say that that's um, i'm you know talking it up too much because it's really true and i think you, you you know what i'm talking about frank 
Well, let me jump in here and we'll go to Region 2 quickly here. Tell you that Centennial Susquehanna has the edge, needs to win one of two. Johns Hopkins is a Pool C candidate in the Empire 8. Cortland has won, but Utica is still a Pool C candidate. They finish 9-1 in the Liberty League. Ithaca wins the AQ with a win versus Union on Saturday. But Union controls their own destiny. If they win out, they win the Liberty League still, despite that loss to Hobart. Only Ithaca 9-1 would be a potential Pool C qualifier. Uh, but that's something uh, that, that our guests in a second will not want to talk about. 9-1, uh, what the heck's that? Uh, in the end, Jack, uh, it's a Week 11 scenario between Salisbury and Christopher Newport. The loser is an unlikely candidate at 8-2. and two. Probably uh, no real pool seat talk in the end, Jack. And in the pack, it's Carnegie Mellon winning uh, the AQ if Westminster beats Case or it'll come down to their game versus Case in week 11 and only Carnegie Mellon 9-1 would be a potential Pool C candidate. Hey, AJ Wingfield, I bet in my heart of hearts, uh, I, I know that you don't want to talk about 9-1 in Pool C. You want to talk about Pool A, the automatic qualifier and all that stuff Saturday at Frank Bailey Field uh, at Union College. First off, Thanks for joining us, and how are you? How are you feeling coming into this big game? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm feeling really good. Um, we're leaving at about an hour for Union, so uh, you know it's exciting stuff. Um, you know, since I've been here, we haven't had this opportunity to to play championship football, so um, you know we're really excited for it. AJ, it's good to see you looking so well because there were a couple of times last Saturday where you took some hits, and I was just like, oh man. <laughs> You was it was it a design game plan where you would read the RPI defense and, and kind of call your own number to make runs happen because they're such a tough. I mean, let's give them some credit. They're they're a great defense and you know they've they've given lots of teams a lot of trouble. But it seemed like the game plan was for you to take your shots. You know, and you ma made some long passes here and there uh, when you had the opportunity. But a lot of times you sort of surveyed the field and I saw you take off. Was that part of the game plan to sort of see, like, take what you could give type of thing? Yeah, honestly, you kind of nailed it. Um, you know, to, to what you said, that RPI defense, um, it's it's really good. It's been really good. Um, and we honestly thought this was the best defense they've had in the past, you know, three, four years, which is saying a lot. Um, and, yeah, part of the part of that game plan was obviously to, to have me run a lot. Um, you know, lining up and spread and trying to just do what you do against them. You know, obviously they come off a bye week against us too, so it's tough. Um you know, they're really experienced. They know what they're doing. Um, so we thought our biggest advantage was, you know, what haven't they seen yet from us? And that was kind of me running the ball. So um, I went into that game knowing it was kind of going to be a battle. Um, I was, I was going to have to run more than I had, you know, in any other game at this point. And, uh, you know, happy we got out of there with a win because, you know, that RPI, you know, you never want to be in a tight game with them. So we're happy to just get out of there with a win and survive. So wait a minute. I, if memory serves, at Ramapo High School, uh, you were the all-time leading rusher as a quarterback. Uh, is that not the case? Uh, so you're used to uh, kind of tucking, running, and uh, getting it done. But I remember uh, ver versus Union, I want to say last year, uh, was yeah, I was there last year uh, for that game. Uh, you took a shot on the sideline area, uh, basically almost helmet to helmet uh, unintentionally. It's just the way the uh, play formed. You got up, looked at quasi days for a second, and then patted the uh, Union player on the helmet and said, hey, good play, good play, let's go. I mean, is this going to be something you can just keep doing? You've got some big games ahead of you here uh, this weekend, the following weekend. We'll get to that in a minute, and I'm sure your coach doesn't want us to. Uh, possibly playoffs. I, I mean, how are you going to keep yourself healthy here taking hits like that? 
No, uh, yeah. Um, I think that was actually Hobart. That was uh, Emmett Ford. They're all American yep. over there. You're right. Um, yeah. He gave yeah. me a good pop. Um, and then RPI, yeah, they gave me some good pops for sure. Um, and that's been one of my biggest things, you know, even in high school, you know, I've always, you know, I don't know why I think I'm a running back sometimes and obviously I'm not. Um, and so that was one of my biggest things this year was protect myself, um, you know, start sliding a little bit. Um, but, you know, there's there's some moments, you know, especially against RPI, you know, sometimes you just it's third and four, you got to put your head down and, and go get it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge deal for me is protecting myself, trying to find a way to be healthy. But, you know, there's there's always those moments where, you know, you got to put your head down and, and go do it. Um, you know, that that touchdown run that got called back against RPI, I actually tried to do the same thing. The kid gave me a good good smack to the head, and I got up, and I was like, I just yep. wanted to give him knuckles, and he just walked away from me. and was like, no, nah, I'm not having it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that play. I was like, ooh, but, yeah, I mean, you just you just keep getting up and you keep swinging it. That's, it's impressive. Now, last season I had the pleasure of being on the visitor's sideline at Union College. You know, they've got the fraternity house there. There's usually a pretty large student section. They're going to be honoring their former head coach, John Odino. I'm sure there's going to be tons of alums, a big crowd. I think I got called Tom Brady because I was wearing a Buccaneers uh, jacket. They, let's just say the Union fans come up with creative ways to heckle you guys. I mean, I know you've been there before. How do you sort of block out the noise and just do what you need to do on, on that Frank Bailey field on Saturday? No, yeah, it's going to be really fun. Um, I've actually personally never been to Union, so, um, you know, but you could see it on film. You know, uh, I was watching their game against RPI last year, and um, you could see the crowd, um, you know, the hills all filled up with students and stuff. So it's something we haven't really had yet. Obviously, we get a pretty good crowd at home, but we haven't had really a true away test yet. So, uh, you know, that's been something we've been talking about as a team. I'll say something to the team tonight about it. Um, you know, just focus on the field, do what you do. And, you know, after the first couple of plays, I don't think that'll play much of a factor. You just kind of will lock in and do what we do. But, you know, obviously it's something that, you know, it's going to be different for us. And, you know, it might be a little good tune-up for next week, obviously, because we'll play, you know, much bigger crowd next week too. So so I, I saw uh, Coach Fitzpatrick, obviously, after the Utica win. Uh, and, you know, Cortland and Ithaca both have a, the same stanza going on here of three different seasons in some ways. You have the regular season where you're trying to win your AQ. You have the playoffs, but in between you have this weirdness of this Yankee Stadium game in Cortica. And, I mean, this is playing out even more palatial in terms of the size and meaning of the game than the one that MetLife did in a lot of ways. If you guys can get through Union and Cortland gets through unscathed, and we have 9-0 versus 9-0, you guys are battling basically for a one seed in the NCAA playoffs on Yankee Stadium's field. I mean, has that, like, hit you guys yet? What is going on here? Because it's starting to hit me a little bit, and I'm getting chills and goosebumps just thinking about what is going on here in Division Three in a moment that you couldn't have written like this unless something happens on the way to it. But still, it's going to be a big game no matter what. Has it hit you yet? I mean, it's hard It's hard not to think about it. Um, you know, obviously, the whole, like, next game, you know, we're, we're obviously focused on Union, but... You know, we understand that, you know, if we beat Union and do, you know, do what we want to do, you know, that that's going to be a huge one. Um, and obviously, you know, that's kind of the guy going into the season. That's that's where we wanted to be. Um, you know, we wanted to be 9-0 going there. Um, you know, we figured there would be 9-0 just because of the guys they have over there. So, um, you know, mentally, I think we've been, you know, preparing for, for that type of game in the back of our minds a little bit, like knowing it's going to be the biggest games, you know, probably of all time in Division Three, especially both really good this year. And, uh you know, when we get there, we'll get there. But, you know, obviously it's in the back of your mind. It's, it's really exciting.
Well, AJ, I know you you guys brought back a lot from last year's team. Um, you know, we talked about the unfinished business thing in our preseason show. Was it, were there elements kind of coming into this year that you felt like you know you guys didn't quite accomplish your goals in twenty one, and that you really wanted to push to another level this season? And, and how do you feel you guys are doing so far? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, you know, Coach Turper came in um, and and kind of from the bat was like, "Listen, forget about last year." Like. Forget about, you know, that RPI game, we lost three points. The Cortland game, we lost one. So, you know, we we kept batting our heads and we only lost by four points. You know, we're that close, we're that close. And uh, Coach Tripper came in and this is, this is a new era. Like, forget about it. Like, focus on you guys. Focus on what we could do because, you know, we obviously have a lot of guys returning. Um, you know, this is a special group we got here. So, um, you know, forget about them. Forget about all that. Um, you know, put your head down and let's just go win each week because, you know, if you keep thinking about that and let that get to your head, it's just only going to make these games bigger than they are. And, you know, you're going to get more anxious for them. Like, just go out and do what you do, and, uh, you know, we'll be fine. And I'm really happy with where we are so far. You know, well, my, my dog is excited about the bomber season. <laughs> She's just going off there in the background. One little, little, little quick one, though, if you don't mind, Frank. Go for um, it. You know, the one loss one loss that you did have, AJ, was um, – I think it's is it Andrew or Anthony Vito, the the wide receiver to graduation. Andrew. He was kind of like a security. He was kind of security blanket for you last year. I mean, he, he he broke my heart with that touchdown catch he made in the Hobart game. That was that that was that was a huge play that you guys made and, and uh, to win that. And you know, you have kind of a different group of receivers, but you're, you seem to be spreading the ball around. You know, tell us a little bit about this new kind of this new group that you got out there. Yeah, obviously Andrew Vito was my guy. Um, we lived like. Two- each other back home to throw all summer uh he's great and i definitely miss him but uh, you know we got a guy uh mikey anderson is uh you know i'm sure he's he's a stud uh you know we we really try to find ways to get him the ball um get him his touches because you know when we get him space uh he's one of the most electric players in all no doubt um and then besides him you know you've got some other some other guys um you know sam klein's one of my favorite uh he plays x for us julian demagas are you know, jump ball guy. And then you got Billy Tedeschi, who's just kind of the gritty, uh, you know, blocking guy. So it's tough because we don't really have like a Andrew Vito where you kind of know what's going to him every play. Um, you know, Mikey Anderson's probably that type of guy, but we're also much more run oriented this year. So it's tougher to teams to like, you know, just sit back and spread against us and play deep. Like you got to respect the run, which is helping me um, because, and then it's just getting the receivers more open and getting Mikey more touches in space. So um, it's been really easy, really fun. You mentioned Coach Turper earlier. Uh, I was uh, texting with Coach Swanstrom down at Penn uh, a couple weeks ago when I was at Johns Hopkins. And, you know, I, I look at these two coaches and I see a difference in just the personality maybe a little bit. Uh, Coach Swanstrom seemed to always kind of be at least with us and from what I could see, kind of an even keel, you know, demanding guy uh, for you guys on the field. Turper seems to be kind of more of that exuberant cheerleader guy. I mean, doing the jumps with you guys uh, after a big play on the sideline and everything else and the chest bumps and all that stuff. Uh, what is the difference between the two head coaches? And, you know, how is Turper keeping this thing alive, do you think? Uh, has he changed anything or is he basically playing the old, if it ain't broke, don't fix it uh, game with respect to the Bombers? Yeah, it's funny. Um they're they're honestly like they're not opposites but like they're they're pretty close um you know you, you kind of nailed it Sw- coach Swanstrom was just very very um yeah he's, his energy never got too high never got too low um you know very thought out everything he was saying um you know always kept us cool um was always kind of quiet um 
and it was like a technician. Like he just X's and out X's and O's. Like you just trusted him. Um, Terper's more just energetic, you know, bringing it every day, you know, super, super positive, um, you know, super loud. And, uh, and he kind of sees, he, he, he's not like coach Swanson called the plays and was also the OC. So he was coach Swanson was much more obviously offensive, um, oriented coach Terper kind of sees it all. He does special teams and, he kind of just walks around at practice, goes offense, goes to defense. Um, so he's kind of got more, you know, got more touches all over the place. He's more involved with, you know, kind of every single player. Um, so that's kind of been the biggest difference. Um, you know, he came in and he just brought a different type of energy. Um, you know, obviously the same players, pretty much same plays. Um, he didn't change anything from that aspect. But, uh, you know, just bringing a different juice, bringing a different, bringing energy. That's, that's kind of the big thing. Well, Saturday, you're going to be bringing the juice for the potential Liberty League title. It's, uh, you know, uh, Ithaca has been in the league for a few years now, probably even before you enrolled at Ithaca, I think. Maybe, you know, it's, it's a big opportunity for you guys. Um, this union defense is, is younger up front, but they're pretty experienced in the secondary. Give us a little sneak preview of, of that one coming up on Saturday. Yeah, union's good. You know, obviously, it's going to be a hostile environment. Um, you know, they got... I think, you know, we've, we've played some good offenses so far, but, you know, it doesn't impact me as much, but their offense is pretty electric. Uh, they got really good receivers. Obviously, the running back's a stud. Um, quarterback slings it all over the field, you know, just watching them a little bit. So our defense will have their hands full and, and definitely be tested, um, which not to say they haven't been tested, but, you know, that'll, that'll be interesting to see. Um, maybe more of a shootout type of game for us. Um, you know, defensively, they're good. Um, they're experienced. You know, they obviously, you know, they, they confuse the quarterback a little bit. So, you know, I've been watching a ton of film. Um, you know, we're ready to go, especially after RPI last week. You know, I think I think we're pretty battle tested, and you know, we're ready to go in any environment. Absolutely. Union's Get that good. out of here, Mayor. I mean, come on, Union, man. Union's good, AJ. I mean, come on now. They're very good, but nonetheless, they lost to Hobart last week, so I shouldn't be worrying it necessarily until they uh, win another game. Uh, listen. I got to meet you last year. It was a pleasure to meet you after that Hobart game. I know JB was rooting for me not to interview you because that would have meant that Hobart won that game last year. But uh, you brought an energy and an excitement uh, to Ithaca football uh, that I think uh, people really appreciate, uh, as JB alluded to, the, your drive to just put your head down and do what you got to do, uh, you know, throw caution to the wind sometimes. Uh, that is something that's really electrified uh, your uh, school your game uh, there uh, much like Zach Boyce at Cortland so I'm, I'm excited to see you guys play next week uh, against each other because that's a really great quarterback matchup going on there at Yankee Stadium but first things first I will see you tomorrow you get two Saturdays in a row with me sorry man uh, so uh, you know get used to uh, my ugly face uh, somewhere in that sideline but first before anything else you know how this works you get shout outs any family friends teammates, anybody out there, as you'll see them in just mere minutes, uh, getting ready for the trip to Schenectady, New York. AJ Wingfield, the floor is yours. Yeah, obviously got to got to shout out the parents. Um, you know, they're, they're the reason I'm here. Um, and got to shout out the O-line. You know, I think I've been I've been sacked twice this year, maybe, and they're probably both my fault. So um, they've been begging me to, to bring them out to a dinner. You know, I don't know who they think I am with, you know, like 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 I'm an NFL quarterback or something. Uh, so uh, the O-line, uh, the O-line is definitely deserving of shout out here. Um, you know, just two sacks. We've been, we've been uh, you know, running teams over. So, uh, you know, everything goes to them. I think you got some big NIL deals or something like that going on in Ithaca, which I you know, small market. I don't think it's going to necessarily fly there, but 
anyway, AJ, good we- uh, good luck this weekend. Uh, we'll uh, you'll see who we pick uh, later on in the show uh, in this big game. It is one of the sixteen games we're picking uh, this weekend. But uh, the 16, sixteen games, yeah, the sixteen games you want to be a part of are in a couple of weeks, which is the playoffs, round one. So uh, yeah, get, get your uh, business taken care of this weekend. You don't have to worry about it for a couple of weeks. Good luck to you. No doubt. Thank you, guys. Luck, I appreciate man. it. Thank you. JB, uh, I'll tell you, uh, it's going to be uh, an interesting bruising game, I wow. think, if Frank Bailey Field, uh, <laughs> that loss uh, Union endured to you, uh, the hands of your Hobart statesman in Geneva last week, is something that I think yeah. maybe they learn a lot from that game. Sometimes you got to lose games to win games uh, in Division Three. But I will send you on your way here to Regions 3 and 4 as we reset things, and then I'll go through the different scenarios in Regions 3 and 4 after you tell folks about the games to watch. All right. Well, I mean, Albion is still in control of uh, their MIAA destiny. They need to get past the Comets in the ODAC. Hamden-Sydney, Shenandoah is kind of more of a, a, a rivalry game. It won't impact the championship per se. But a game that will impact the championship is, in fact, John Carroll versus Mount Union. Uh, the Blue Streaks need a win to kind of keep themselves in, in you know nationally relevant here. Uh, Baldwin-Wallace versus Heidelberg, though, might be the actually more important game this weekend because if Baldwin-Wallace loses, Mountain Union can clinch the the OAC championship for, I don't know, probably the 25th or 30th time in a row. It seems that they've been on a a roll there. Mount St. Joe's is is in control of their destiny. They they can win the HCAC, I believe. Um, And then UMHB versus Howard Payne. I think UMHB needs to win one of two. They need to win this game if they're going to have a chance, and Ellie definitely agrees with me there. Yeah, the dogs are out for that one for sure. Let's talk about the ASC uh, Pool A. UMHB wins uh, the AQ with a win versus Howard Payne. However, there could be a three-way tie with Howard Payne, Harden-Simmons, and UMHB. And if that happens, the three-way tie is positive points scored against the tied teams, maximum capped at 21 points, a loss is zero points. That means that UMHB has the edge because they beat Harden-Simmons by 30, so it's plus 21 for them, unless Howard Payne wins by 21 versus them. Yeah, go go figure that one out. Uh, in you know, Harden Simmons did not win by twenty one against Howard Payne. Remember, so UMHB has the edge uh, for Pool C. Harden Simmons at nine and one, maybe even Howard Payne at eight and two. If they were able to beat UMHB but didn't win the conference, they could be candidates also in the ODAC. Uh, Randolph Macon wins uh, the AQ in Week Eleven with a win over uh, Hampton Sydney. Otherwise, if you have a three-way tie there, which is possible with Bridgewater, it's point and differential between the three, and uh, good luck to you in figuring all that out. Uh, in Pool C, though, Randolph-Macon and Bridgewater would be candidates at 9-1. and one. SAA, Trinity wins the AQ with a win in one of two games. Uh, Birmingham Southern would have to hope for two Trinity losses and to win out on their games remaining. But they are uh, still a potential Pool C candidate is Birmingham Southern at 8-2. and two. In the USA South, Huntingdon wins the AQ with winning one of two games. The winner of Bellhaven-Brevard could still hope for something if Huntingdon lost twice and they won out. Bellhaven, though, a candidate in Pool C at 9-1. Then in Region 4, the NCAC 
uh, it's basic or HK, excuse me. If uh, Mount St. Joseph and Rose Holman win in Week Ten, their Week Eleven matchup is for the AQ. Otherwise, several scenarios exist between Mount St. Joseph, Rose Holman, Franklin, and Hanover. Good luck to you, everybody trying to figure that one out. I didn't even try to start. Mount St. Joseph will be the candidate uh, for Pool C at nine and one if they don't win the AQ. In the MIAA, the Week 11 game between Albion and Alma is winner takes all. In Pool C, the loser of it would be 9-1 if uh, they win in Week 10 their respective games and would be a candidate for Pool C. And now in the NCAC, if DePaul and Wabash win in Week 10, they have a winner take all in uh, Week 11. Otherwise, several scenarios between DePaul, Wabash, Denison, and Ohio Wesleyan exist. Really no Pool C opportunities there. And in the OAC, leaving the best for last here, Mount Union wins the AQ with a win versus JCU and uh, a BWU loss, uh, Baldwin Wallace, as you talked about. JCU wins the AQ with a win uh, versus Mount and win versus Otterbein. Now, there is a chance for a three-way tie in the OAC between Mount Union, John Carroll, and Baldwin Walls. And if that happens, the coaches not involved in the tie vote on who the winner is uh, for the AQ. Yes, folks. They vote? Yes. Oh you God. cannot write this stuff, I swear to you. And uh, Pool C, uh, Mount Union would be a candidate at 9 and 1 if they don't win the AQ. Johns Hopkins and Baldwin Walls would uh, both be unlikely candidates uh, for Pool C. John Carroll. Yeah, okay, yeah, that needs to see. So we got two things to edit now. There we go. If we post these to Twitter later on, uh, then we know what to do with them. But there you go. Uh, yeah, they vote. I think what happened there was when I read that they have a vote, I, I didn't know what I was typing anymore because that's just strange to me. Yeah, I, 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 speechless, I thought so. A vote? A vote. Okay. Flip, well, which means, I mean, well, okay. here's what you do. You basically say if your um, coaches. No, it's not Mount Union because you know damn well Mount Union's going to get the pool C bit at that point. So you basically get a twofer if you don't pick Mount Union as a coach in that situation, if that were ever to happen. Now, that would take a lot of problems to exist, including uh, probably a loss this weekend. Uh, or, yeah, is it, yeah, a loss this weekend uh, by uh, yeah. Mount. Yeah, so we'll, we'll just leave it at that if that ever were to happen. Uh, let's go to regions five and six, and then we'll do the same. Go for it. All right. Well, it's always Wiaki in the Wiak and River Falls and Lacrosse. We'll see if they can't upset the apple cart one more time. Same thing with Whitewater and Stout. I mean, all of these games kind of seem to be coming down to fifty-yard field goals and doinks off the goalposts and all sorts of stuff going on. So that'll be fun to watch around two o'clock tomorrow tomorrow wash you and wheaton this is kind of a a playoff pool c playing game in my opinion this the winner of this game is probably getting a bid it's just how it is the cciw is that nationally regarded wash you especially if they're nine and one is almost a lock i mean i know wheaton has a couple of losses eight and two would kind of put them on the bubble but close loss by one point to trinity i think when it comes into looking at actual games and all that wins and losses will i could see an eight and two wheaton getting in but that that's neither here nor there Rippon can clinch i believe the the midwest conference um with a win over monmouth because they lost to lake forest Rippon has the the tiebreaker win over lake forest but me you know we'll get into that the next slide redlands at claremont mud scripts 
I think at what, three and five, Redlands can still win this conference. It's just crazy overall. And Claremont's in the driver's seat, and they actually popped into the uh, regional rankings at six and one. I, I, with a 212 out of 200 and something, 230 strength of schedule, I didn't think they would get on the list, but they did. The win-loss thing is kind of important for at least the first, this first go-around. Uh, Wisconsin-Lutheran-Concordia, it's a big um, kind of rivalry game out there in the Midwest. And then late night, you got Whittier, Pomona-Pitzer, Calhoun, Chapman. You like Rip versus Monmouth. I like Wash U, and I'll let you take it from here. Uh, yeah, Wash U Wheaton, uh, and then Redlands uh, CMS is mine, and River Falls Lacrosse is yours. Sorry about that, taking off screen early on you. But just to move us along here in the ARC uh, Pool A uh, situation, Warburg wins the AQ by winning versus Simpson in Week 10 and Co. in Week 11. But there could be a three-way tie between Warburg, Co. and Dubuque. The most recent NCAA playoff participant or participants, if they uh, both go or uh, multiple go in the same year, are eliminated, and that would be Warburg in 2019, meaning Dubuque would advance in a three-way tie. Yes, folks, you can thank me later for sitting down at Starbucks last night going through all these scenarios. Pool C. Warburg would be at 9-1 if they don't win the AQ. Uh, they would be a candidate for sure. CCIW, you talked a little bit about it. Uh, North Central wins by winning one of two games. Winner of Wheaton uh, Wash U wins the AQ if uh, North Central loses two games. Good luck, and they win out. Uh, pool C, the winner of Wheaton Wash U would be a Pool C candidate. That would be Wash U at 9-1 or Wheaton at 8-2 with a quality game against Trinity. Remember that overtime loss. That's why they would still be a candidate at 8-2. In the Midwest Conference, Ripon wins the AQ with a win versus Monmouth in Week 10. A three-way tie between Ripon, Lake Forest, and Monmouth. Uh, the team that led it in the most quarters of conference play. No, I did not do that math. I'll rely on Jim Cat and Zero to tell us how that would play out at some point later on. Uh, Ripon or Lake Forest would be candidates at 9-1, and one, though they have not gotten the respect at Midwest Conference uh, in, this res- in this respect over uh, history here, but who knows. 9-1 still is a meaningful finish for one of those teams. In the NACC, uh, it's going to come down to Week 11, Aurora-Concordia winner. Unless Concordia loses the Luther Cup to Wisconsin-Lutheran this week. No Pool C candidates really to speak of there. In Region 6, in the Mayak, St. John's advances to the Mayak title game with a win versus Carleton. Uh, Carleton, excuse me. Uh, but a three-way divisional tie could exist between St. John's, Carleton, and Gustavus Adolphus. If that happens, Carleton's eliminated and St. John's advances. Don't ask. Uh, Bethel has advanced to uh, the Mayak title game. So week 11, the winner of Bethel versus whatever team gets through wins the AQ. For Pool C, Bethel at 8-2 would be the candidate. St. John's at 8-2 might be a candidate if they play for the Mayak title. I don't think an 8-2 uh, St. John's that didn't play in that game would have the same possibility. In the North- Northwest Conference, Linfield wins CAQ, winning one of two remaining games. No real Pool C options there. In the Skyak, Redlands CMS winner controls their own destiny in Week 11. CMS win and uh, Pomona Pitzer loss in Week 10 makes CMS th- the winner this week. So they could clear out and win, uh, Claremont Mudscripts can. Pomona Pitzer needs Redlands uh, loss to control their own destiny uh, in Week 10 uh, going into Week 11. And no, there is no chance for Pool C in the Sky Act. Let's just be real about that. In the UMAC, Northwestern of Minnesota wins the AQ with one win. Uh, Minnesota Morris and Greenville winner 
uh, wins the AQ. If Northwestern loses twice and the team that wins the uh, game between them wins out, no pool C options there either. And in the WEAC, wacky, wacky. Uh, pool A currently is controlled by Whitewater. A loss by Whitewater gives lacrosse control of the AQ, but losses by both create multiple scenarios, and I did not bother. Pool C only UWL at 7-1 or 6-2 would be candidate. And remember, the records I'm talking about are versus D3 because they have two non-D3 games. And I will emphasize here, never, even with more Pool C teams, has the committee ever selected a three-loss team in Division Three uh, games in the 23 years of the Pool C generation of playoff selection. Just keep that in mind, folks. That if, those that think that a three-loss in Division Three uh, WEAC team has a chance to be selected, I, I, don't go there because you just saw the number of one- and two-loss teams across the country that have resumes worthy of selection. How do you go that deep in that situation? I, I get that you know. some of these teams took some real chances on their scheduling, but you got to still win the games. You've got to win the games at a certain point. And I can forgive two losses, but not three losses in that situation. What's your thought on that? Well, yeah, I mean, when I tried to sort of predict what the 42 teams would be on the regional rankings, I had no idea that Platteville would even get to the table, and they did um, in, in Region 6, which was kind of a big surprise with a 4-4 four and four overall record, but a 4-3 and three D3 record. That was the biggest surprise to me. I mean, yeah, they, they won some big games, but they've also lost some games in pretty one-sided fashion. I don't think they should have made that list. I, I don't know what the rack from that area was thinking but hey uh same thing with with claremont mud scripts yeah sure they're six and one but 212th strength of schedule i mean i get that they're gonna make the playoffs if they win but that that was another kind of head scratcher and then back in region three frank um you know i i got bellhaven right but i was surprised that birmingham southern didn't make the list they their two losses were to top 25 teams by only a field goal they should have been on there i mean i understand that Seven and one is technically better than six and two, but look at at Birmingham's resume. I mean, they're they're a true contender. They should have been on that list. Maybe we'll see them um, the next Wednesday, assuming they win this weekend. But you know, there's a couple of head scratchers. But overall, it, it's so far things are starting to fall into place like we thought. So uh, let's uh, do a couple things here as we transition before we do predictions. Uh, first off, actually, I want to put this up. And here is a look at the teams that have declared for the ECACs as of yesterday. And you can see a good list of teams, 16 total. We have them uh, split yeah. up 8-8 eight and eight for the screen here. But, um, you know, if you see your team not on this list and you don't think you're going to hit the playoffs and you're going to finish 500 or better uh, in either your overall or your conference records, then get on the horn, call your coach or AD, and say, hey, why aren't we going? Why aren't we doing this? And maybe they aren't going to do it. I understand that. That happens. But nonetheless, yep. the deadline's Monday. So if you want to be ECAC Bowl eligible, get your school on this list. Now, I understand the New England Bowls, will preclude some of those schools from uh, signing up for this and everything else. But Max just remember, too. Yeah. Yep. And remember, these are for teams that are ECAC members. That means mostly Eastern teams, folks. So uh, those in the Midwest and the West, go get your own bowl games. And you are beginning to get some of them, uh, as uh, yeah. we know. Cousins, we got Isthmus Bowl. We got all yep. sorts of bowls going on out there. It's great. 
Exactly. So just get, get your team on the list if you're an Eastern team that is a member of the ECAC by Monday. Okay, uh, we got one uh, quasi-hype video, and we'll stay on the theme of Ithaca a little bit. So we got some lows and some highs with Ithaca. Ithaca's got a great broadcasting department with the ICTV stuff and everything else. But I'll tell you, the Saturday broadcast... I got a couple critiques for them, and I mean this with love, but you got to be perfectionist when you're doing it as kind of a more professional approach. The score bug was a disaster, and they switched to another score bug midway through the game because that, I don't know what they were thinking with that first one in the first place, but the second one at least worked, although the clock was a little bit, uh, it was being hand done, you could tell. Um, But, you know, if you're a color commentator and a color, uh, in a play by play broadcaster, and I've seen this in uh, Ithaca's uh, broadcast, some of the Springfield broadcasts too. Uh, and our, your, our friend uh, Brian McGoffin said uh, you made his Saturday, or you made his Friday rather, doing the shake weight uh, d- during the show open. By the way, there, uh, JB. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, if you are a young broadcaster, stop using the cliches you hear on ESPN all the time. It, it, it just gets stupid, it gets old, and it's unnecessary. It's not descriptive. You know, Ron Cherry, I saw the piece this week about him doing the whole, giving him the business thing on ESPN. They did a whole retrospective on it. But, you know, the next guy that did giving him the business wouldn't be the same type of response. And the 82nd guy that did giving him the business would be even less favorable. And people would be like, okay, we get it already. Just have fun. Describe what's going on in the field. Don't abuse the cliches in sports, and you're going to be a much better uh, broadcaster for that. It takes a little bit of uh, prep work to have other things to say, to not try to do these one-liners like that. Be confident, be clear, be concise. That's the best thing you can do, unlike me. Uh, Anyway, with Ithaca, though, Peter Rader does a phenomenal job for Ithaca with his on-field camera work. And we're going to go back to the highlights from Ithaca versus RPI from Peter Rader and his folks' point of view from last week. Two minutes, 20 seconds, worth watching. Here we go. Hello, everyone. We are coming to you live from Butterfield Stadium in Ithaca, New York, for today's Battle on the Gridiron between the 12th-ranked Ithaca College Bombers and the RPI Engineers. It's only one play. It's only one way we play the game. Fast and physical, baby. Let's go. Let's go. One team. 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 Out of bounds. Winfield takes himself off tackle. Scampers into the end zone. Touchdown. Winfield. Touchdown. Bombers. They take a 6-0 lead with 14.55 left to go in the second. RPI 12-yard line. So this will be about a 30-yard kick. Snap. Pull. The kick is rejected. Falls at the A of Ithaca in the end zone. Derek Sluka. In the pocket, under some duress, fires a little teardrop jump ball that is, it's complete to Billy Tedeschi on a jump ball, burst down Ithaca, running out of time, and he's dragged down by Michael Blanchard, brings a fourth down.
and Ithaca goes into the half up seven to nothing. Fires a deep ball to Sam Klein. It's complete at the 30, down to the 26 yard line. Is up and Bamonde splits the uprights, have plenty of distance on that one. Fires deep down the far sideline, touchdown RPI. Fires a deep ball down the near side, intended for Mikey Anderson, and he makes the catch. And that hold is down, the kick is up, and Bamonde splits the uprights. The simplest rallies in, and that ball is intercepted by Mikey Rumis at the 15 yard line on the near sideline. Burnett in the backfield, snap back. Kazanowski settles into the pocket, under some pressure, fires a pass that is dropped. And for the first time this century, the Bombers dethrone the Engineers. Wow. I mean, that's the way, that's the way to I do say it. At the top, yeah, I mean, what did I say at the top of the show? The, the playoffs, at least the selection of the brackets runs through upstate New York, fellas. I'm just saying. It's going to be pretty exciting. There's some big games yet to go these last two weeks. I mean, and Ithaca is really kind of the center of, of attention in many respects. I mean, Union has a chance to knock them off. Cortland and Ithaca are going to have this huge stage at Yankee Stadium, which could potentially be a undefeated versus undefeated top 12 or 13th ranked teams in the country. Wow, what a, what a way for what's been a great 22 season to, to wrap up. Well, I needed to wrap up with some wins uh, because I am still trailing by five with an asterisk. We'll call it four and a half. Uh, something like, yeah, okay, four, that, four that. point five, four yeah. point something. Exactly. Four point double clutch. <laughs> oh, that was James Baker. That? Cards and letters to James Baker, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, please uh, do not send them my way because it is not deserved. Um, so let's see here. Uh, we need some music. Uh, so Maestro, uh, and then we, then the we need to uh, have me go first today, and I will see the first game up on the screen. We'll get the clock started. Thirteen minutes on the clock for sixteen games. Go! It's me going uh, in the CCC. Salve Regina at Endicott. Listen. This is going to be a pretty good game, but it's not going to be a win for Salve, I don't believe. Uh, that UNE game is just a head-scratcher of head-scratchers there. And uh, Endicott, uh, they need a close game. They really do, I think, to just kind of understand how to win those close games when they get to the playoffs. But this may not be it. I still, I, I think it'll be closer than uh, most. I said that last week, didn't I? Uh, 31-17, though, pulling away. Endicott. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Gauls are like a Liberty League team in New England. They're just playing at a whole other level than anywhere else in that area. They'll win this one going away. I think, unfortunately, uh, the Seahawks are just depleted from injuries, so Endicott wins 35-14. to 14. Gallaudet at Alfred State to protect all things vital in the ECFC without having to go through scenario after scenario next week. What do you think? Well, I mean, the, the Pios at home are tough, and they could certainly create some havoc, but I just feel that Gallaudet with that just constant run offense will control the clock, control the ball, they'll kind of wear away. I think they'll. it's going to be a close, kind of crazy game, maybe even an OT game, but I'll take the Bison 28 to 24. Alfred State at home is a tough team to beat. I'm going to go for Alfred State here for chaos in the ECFC. 
Uh, I understand that uh, th there may be uh, some yeah. wearing of uh, certain colors going on by the Castleton faithful because they need some help uh, via uh, this yeah. game, essentially. So we got all kinds of weirdness going on out there uh, trying to root against Gallaudet <laughs> because teams need that to happen. Yeah, Alfred State, I think, wins it by his final score, 24-20. Next up, we'll go to Region 2, Ithaca at Union, and I will begin, and I am going to call for the upset. I am going to call for the upset here, baby, because, look, John Audino. Okay, come on. John Audino uh, coming back is a huge uh, deal. A lot of alumni will be there. It's senior day at Frank Bailey Field. There will be yeah, emotion okay. all over the place, and... Just historically, somebody drops a game heading into Cortica. It feels like we never get to undefeated versus undefeated. Why should this year change anything in that respect? I'm going to say Union does win because they learned a lot from that Hobart loss. 27, hell, 28-24. We'll go for it. <laughs> that's that's the, the most popular score of the year. I mean, so looking at the common opponent, right, just over my shoulder here, Hobart, Hobart showed that you can pass deep on Union and Ithaca, and I think this game could turn into a shootout, but I feel like the offenses are going to try to settle that down by running the ball a little more. But I think with, with, uh, with Baja, Monde, he might kick a game-winning field goal. It's going to be a low-scoring game. I'll take the Bombers 16-13. to Quick trivia. How many games has Union won against Ithaca since 2010? I don't know, three? <laughs> One. Okay. Tough to believe that, isn't it, uh, with everything else going on? Uh, Alfred yeah. at Utica, you start this one. Uh, will uh, the Riggies bounce back after that weirdness last week? I think they will. I think their offense is just a little too strong. Um, and Alfred, while their defense has guys like Joe Kopp that are some of the best linebackers in Region 2, just a little too much uh, riggies there. So I'll, I'll take Utica to win this one, say, 31-17. to 17. Yeah, I, I think they've righted the ship in some ways uh, in that fourth quarter and will continue that winning way here, although Alfred is no slouch. If this were, were at Alfred, I would actually pick Alfred properly, but I think Utica wins this at home. 21-17, uh, lower-scoring game, actually. Uh, nice weather out here, though, this weekend, folks, uh, so it won't be weather-based. Morrisville State at Brockport State, as you said, an ECAC uh, type of scenario here. Uh, who's going to host one, for instance? I'm going to give the edge here to Brockport at home. It's tough to shake off what happened last week, and no matter how hard it, Coach Raby tries to do it, I, I still think that Brockport has a better momentum edge here coming into this game. So I'm going to give Brockport a win here, 27-20. Yeah, and I think I think last year one of the very few wins that Morrisville had um, was kind of upsetting Brockport at the end of the season. So this is kind of a payback game for the Golden Eagles at home. Uh, I think it's going to be low scoring, but I'll take them 21-17. Susquehanna and Muhlenberg possibly for a title for Susquehanna, but Nate Milne and company have a lot to say about that at home. What do you think? I mean, yeah, the Riverhawks are certainly riding on a high. The Mules would love to kind of kick them off the pedestal. Um, so with dad jokes aside, though, I feel like Susquehanna is going to hang in there. 
They know how to win close games. They'll take this one 27-24. You really went there, didn't you? Uh, Susquehanna wins this game. Uh, Michael Roosh continues. Uh, well, you know, I'll tell you, Muhlenberg, if we can find a way to get to Roosh, should be a game changer because he's only been sacked one time this season, as we uh, keep chronicling here. Uh, but uh, they're going to need run support here, and that, that's the thing. Can Susquehanna open up the run this game, unlike uh, that Johns Hopkins game? It's, that'll be important. I think they might be able to hear a little bit. Nate Milne will hate me for saying that. Uh, Susquehanna wins 20-14, to 14, low-scoring game. Uh, Case Western at Westminster. I'm going to give this one to Westminster mm. at home. This is a tough game for Case, maybe looking ahead and could give Carnegie Mellon the Bar Chili is going to get it done. Bar Bar Bar's Chili, indeed. Uh, Maybe she'll feed it to Case Western before the game, and that'll be the problem. (laughs) Sorry, Barb. Uh, Anyway, I'm going to say Westminster wins this game 28-27. A very close, good game. Yeah, I guess, man... It's tough to pick against the Titans because they've been on a little of a roll. But, you know, Drew Saxon and the Spartans, they were my kind of team to watch Dark Horse in, in the pack. So why not stick with them so they can maybe have a championship type of game against Carnegie Mellon Week 11. So why not? Yeah, I'll, I'll take Case Western 31 to 24. UMHB at Howard Payne. Can Howard Payne at home pull off the impossible? Well, they looked like they could against Harden-Simmons in the first half, and then it kind of went the other way. I feel like with some rest, the Kyle King and company are going to come out firing, and uh, I think he'll have his 69th career touchdown in the first quarter um, and kind of go from there. We'll take, uh, we'll take the Crusaders 42-21. to 21. Yeah, I think the wake-up call to the ASC was last week's first half uh, that Howard Payne cannot be taken lightly, and it probably woke up UMHB. So I'm going to say they do win this game 40-17. John Carroll at Mount Union. Look, all this hype about John Carroll in the top 25, it becomes who did they play. I don't think the OAC's undercard is that this season. Sorry, uh, Coach Donaldson and company, but... I mean, I just I don't see it. And Mount Union wins this game 50-10. to 10. I think it's going to be that bad. Yeah, I think I think Plunk and Ruby are going to have a big day. Um, so, yeah, I like the, I'd say I'd say 38-7. to 7. But will Mount Union clinch? It'll depend on this game, Baldwin-Wallace at Heidelberg. Yes, they will. I think the student princes at home are going to knock off. Uh, Brawden Wallace. I think it'll be a higher scoring game, a little back and forth, but 38 to 28. Agreement 31 20 Heidelberg in that game. Wheaton at Wash U. I just, I, again, here's a case. So Wheaton's had a really great schedule. Wash U has had a whatever schedule, uh, and North Central being the exception, but it was the loss, so you don't learn much from that. I think Wheaton is the class of this game, no doubt. And it'll make the committee have some tough decisions to make about an 8-2 Wheaton team, ultimately. Wheaton wins this 37-17. Yeah, I'm, I, maybe I have a little more faith in the Bears of St. Louis, so I think I'll, I'll hitch my wagon to, to watch you and see what happens. If they finish 9-1, and one, they're about a pool C lock as it gets, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I'll take them... Low scoring, 17-14.
Wow, I'm shocked you're going there. Ripping at Monmouth, you go. The Rips, I think they're, they'll clinch the MWC with a win here. With Monmouth looked pretty ordinary against Lake Forest, who lost to Ripon. Maybe Lake Forest should have won that game, but they didn't. So it goes. I'll take um, I'll take Ripon, thirty-five to twenty-one. Mammoth at home wins this game uh, against Ripon in uh, Terrace Park, the uh, dream of the undefeated season of Ripon, I believe. Mammoth wins 27-20. Uh, Wisconsin Lutheran at Concordia, Wisconsin for the Luther Cup. Uh, good to see uh, those folks again uh, out there because uh, that was one of our big highlight games in the spring season, remember? Yeah, uh, we had the great yeah. announcing and everything else. Concordia, Wisconsin's got a lot to play for here, not just the Luther Cup, but, uh, you know, just overall to have some level of say in, you know, the, where things fall uh, in their region and, uh, you know, the possibility of a bowl game and everything else. So I'm going to say Concordia, Wisconsin wins this uh, high-scoring good game, 37-31. Uh, Wiz Lou versus Con Wiz. All right, well, um, the Luther Cup, I think, will go to Concordia. Um, in a, like you said, a high-scoring, more shootout type of thing. I'll say 42 to 35. Here we go with uh, River Falls at Lacrosse, part of the Weakiness. Uh, Let's get Weaki. Yep, and you go. Uh, I think the Eagles probably find a way to, to win at home. It's going to be starting to get cold up there. I think they're going to lean on their defense, lean on the run game. So I'll take them at low scoring, probably a field goal situation, 17-14 Eagles. You know, I'm trying to think uh, quickly here as I, I look back to my quick hits picks. Uh, you give me a got second. got 90 here. seconds, Frank. I know. I know <laughs> I do. Thanks. Um I call this the game of the week. I didn't make a decision. Uh, I think River Falls gets this game uh, and creates a real Picking problem. a lot of upsets, Frank. Oh, well, is this an upset, really? Because how do you order these teams uh, after everything going on? This isn't a huge yeah. upset. It may be because it's at lacrosse, That's but true. River Falls can do this. They can win this game. And after letting one go yeah. uh, last week, uh, against Whitewater, what's to say they can't win this thing uh, from what they learned from that and bounce back? River Falls wins 21-10. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, to be honest with you. Whitewater at Stout. Will Stout continue their ways of uh, upsetting here after that Platteville game? The answer is no. Uh, Whitewater wins this game 37-17. Yeah, I'll take the Warhawks also. I think it'll be maybe a little lower scoring than that, say 24 to 14. And finally, Redlands at Claremont Mud Scripps. We'll take up the whole clock just every time I say Claremont Mud Scripps. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'll, I guess I'll go with Claremont. They're at home. They're supposedly 6-1 and one and the best team in the Skyac. We'll see. 35-21. Uh, Tyler Tremaine, that freshman phenom that we saw basically drag his team to the win at the finish line, gets things done and wins this game by the final score of 27-20 and that's it that's okay. it all right we made it 16 <laughs> games wow yeah in 13 <laughs> minutes we did it so look yeah, i could either go out down in flames this week and uh, pretty much be done for or i could basically bounce back or yeah <laughs>
Don't get too excited and knock your computer you down over there, buddy. Uh, so, I'm as just you doing tell, the, like the broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> we had another couple of those last week, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, oh, so, yeah. as you tell folks what to watch for, I'm going to run on the screen uh, the quote-unquote conference championship possibilities that we're uh, denoting. Now, not all these are true conference championships, but these are games that may have a de facto type of uh, role in deciding them. And, JB, what would you watch? How would you watch it this week in Week 10 of college football Division Three style? Yeah, well, it's going to be tough again because everything's going to be sort of tightly packed in between the, the 12 and 2 o'clock time frame. So you'll have a lot of games for championships basically ending around two as a whole another slew is about to kick off but i'd probably i'd probably you know start off with ithaca union that's obviously the biggest game in my opinion um coming up this weekend for a number of reasons it's going to really impact the bracket uh susquehanna muhlenberg at one stands out obviously uh, as a as a big deal because there's not only a conference championship on the line but also kind of in the background, the Centennial is sort of viewed as probably the best chance for a Pool C team in Region 2. And then as things kind of go on a little later, I mean, I would check in on, on Gallaudet Alfred State. That game could have a crazy ending. Um, DelValf, you know, FDU, eh, I mean, not maybe not as exciting, but we'll have to kind of wait and see there. Once it, around 1.30, I would check in on uh, John Carroll Mount Union. That game could be over in the first quarter, though, potentially. Um, Trinity Millsap should be pretty one-sided. Northwestern Crown, kind of the same thing. Huntington, North Carolina Wesleyan, sort of the same thing. Those you can maybe do a little more scoreboard watching. So, yeah, I'd probably start off with a, a little Liberty League, sprinkle in some Centennial, maybe check in on uh, Endicott, see how they're uh, doing there. And then later on in the afternoon, maybe rip in Monmouth, and then you kind of get into some of the later games as far as you know st john's versus bethel part two maybe um you know concordia oh this is week 11 so yeah, yeah week, week 11 uh, i just wanted to transition here so <laughs> folks what is on the plate there are huge games coming up in week 11 it's almost split half yeah. and half uh between week 10 and week 11 where we Pretty think much, yeah. things will fall ultimately so we'll uh, be looking at a lot of these games next week uh and obviously the game that we really looking at next week even though we'll have no implications on conference races, but could on bracketing, is Ithaca Cortland Yankee Stadium coming up next weekend. So uh, you'll want to obviously stay tuned for all of our coverage of that game. But first things first, Week 10's got a lot of things coming up. Uh, this was a frenetic show in terms of everything we had to include. Thanks yep. to Eric Wren, thanks to AJ Wingfield, Justin Lutz, uh, and Peter Rader for all their contributions to help us out here. Uh, and uh, thanks to you folks for watching. You've been uh, making our Friday live show uh, must see TV uh, via Facebook over the weeks, and we do appreciate mm -hmm. that uh, as well. I will be at Union tomorrow for Ithaca at Union, and then uh, you know the rest. Uh, I also will be covering a yep. Friday night game next week in New Jersey. So we'll have uh, two games next weekend uh, for you folks. Weather's cool. great in upstate New York. The weather sucks in the Midwest from what I understand, or at least the Chicagoland <laughs> area uh, for yeah. uh, rain, et cetera, coming up there. So games could be affected by that weather. So we'll see what happens. Uh, stay tuned for that. But nonetheless, huge, huge, huge week 10 coming up here. And you'll want to watch it all day, as JB just told you. Uh, he's running out of fingers, and he'll have to start taking socks off to tell you what week it is soon. I hope that's what will 
take off to show us the rest. But nonetheless, yeah. yeah. Uh, folks, have a great Saturday. Have a great weekend. We'll uh, see you on Twitter. We'll see you early next week with Crunch Time. Be well.